Shark Tank actually saw us in a uh, written up in a uh, magazine. And so their producers reached out and said, you know, we'd like you to apply if you want. Um, and it had always been a dream of ours. You know, we uh, both of our families had watched Shark Tank growing up. And and we always had it kind of in mind that, you know, with Quavos, we'd want to be in, in the tank eventually. Welcome to Give a Heck. I am your host, Dwight Heck, and for much of my life, lived my life in quiet desperation, wondering how I was going to pay the bills, take vacations, save for retirement, and one day wondering if I would get off the hamster wheel of life and have purpose. A life that most of society lives, which takes us to work, then home, then repeat, and pays us hopefully enough just to survive. The harsh truth that most live with more months than money and have no idea how to live life on purpose, not by accident. This ensures the mass majority are living not just financially broke, however emotionally and mentally as well due to financial pressures. In each episode, I will introduce you to thoughts, ideas, and guests that can help you to learn how you too can live life on purpose, not by accident. Good day, and welcome to Give a Heck. On today's show, I welcome Zach Schreier. Zach is a serial entrepreneur who started his first business in high school. He then co-founded Quavos as a freshman in college. Quavos is a category-leading CPG company that pioneered the development of healthy chips made from egg whites. Zach appeared on ABC's Shark Tank in 2021 and secured an investment from Daniel Lubetsky, the founder of Kind Bars. Zach's true passions are health and philosophy, and he co-founded LifeStacks to bring his vision for healthy, high-performance living to the market. I'd like to welcome you to the show, Zach. Thanks so much for agreeing to come on and share with us some of your life journey. Of course. Thanks for having me, Dwight. This is, I'm excited. This is, this, as I mentioned to you before we were starting to record, um, when I it came across my email that you wanted to be on my show, I was just like, I was stoked and I am stoked. I think this is going to be an amazing conversation. Um, you have so much to share. And for those that are listening, Zach looks to be like a very young man and he's slaying it in the world. And I'm sure that you can learn a lot from him. So let's get at it. Zach, one of the things that I focus on, as I mentioned to you, is a person's origin story. And the reason for that, for people that are newly watching or listening, is our origin is our earliest recollections of our lives, not just what happened to us after, let's say, high school. It's about, you know, what happened to Zach in his life that made him be that driven go-getter, being that person that wants to serve and help others. What what ticks? What you know? What makes Zach tick? And what ticks Zach off? We can get into both of those. So Zach, do me a favor, brother. Tell me your origin story and what key things from your childhood to adulthood that led you to where you're at currently. Uh yeah, sure thing. Um, well, usually I, I start in sixth grade because that's kind of like where my entrepreneur journey uh, kind of has its its roots. Um, but uh, maybe maybe for you, I'll I'll sort of um, go back a little further. Uh, sure. So, um, I, I was I was always um, sort of interested in uh, almost uh, 
the like uh, sort of abstract questions that would almost destabilize people, uh, like things that were um, uh, things that were still sort of open questions or uncertain. And I would uh, sort of pick up on the, uh, that's that people didn't actually have a very clear concept of something. And I would usually press pretty hard on that. So I've got a recollection of being on vacation with my parents. And I was like, I was wondering about what the evolutionary value of like aesthetics was like, why do we find things beautiful? It doesn't seem to, to have much purpose, especially like, um, you know, places. I was like, I, I can't imagine what in the world that's for. Um, and my parents were like, that's just how it is. I was like that, it, that can't be right. You know, there, there has to be, there has to be reasons. Um, and I remember similarly in sixth grade, right before my uh, diagnosis with diabetes, um, we, we were reading like a, a philosophy book. Um, and I, of course, people are familiar with the problem of other minds, which is that I can't know that, you know, that you're even conscious in there. I, I can't know what's going on in your mind um, if there is anything at all. And so I was challenging my classmates to like prove to me that they, they were actually thinking instead of just, you know, robots um, responding to my questions. Um, so it's that sort of thing uh, has always kind of caught my attention. Um, and I guess the, the the thread still stands. I'm I'm uh, a lot of what I do I say is informed by a deep uh, philosophical approach. Uh, so even though I'm an entrepreneur in the packaged goods space, um, really I'm I'm wondering about how we should organize our lives. And of course, we all need to consume things, and the things we consume make a difference to the way we feel and the way we can perform, and and uh, questions of long term health as well. And uh, so you know I've really I'm really trying to come at this from a a, a place of understanding the foundations and then building up from there. Um, uh, an additional sort of piece of, of my journey growing up was getting diagnosed with diabetes when I was 11. And um, that really changed the game for me. I, before that, I was just, I ate whatever the hell I wanted, didn't think about it. Um, I probably didn't have a green or uh, a, a micronutrient in, in my life up to that point. Um, and uh, despite my parents' wishes, but, you know, starting, starting that, I really had to take my health into my own hands. Uh, so that, that, you know, has, has been a, I guess more than half my life I've spent with, uh, with diabetes managing my, my sugar each and every day. Wow. You know, wow. That's, I, I love the fact how you talked about even before sixth grade, you're a person that asked, asked abstract questions, which would destabilize people. And I think about that now with my own kids and right, they're all adults, five kids, and they'd ask specific questions. And some of them were just non nonsense, right? They were they were just being kids, they're trying to figure things out. But I had one daughter that would ask questions that would kind of, like you said, destabilize a person. And, the, and then when I think back on it now, it's a great memory because we'd have long discussions all the way up to now. She's 30 years old. She'll, she she looks at things through different lenses, and that's the way that I get the impression from you. You're a person that looks at things in not so cut and dried, right? You're, you you want to know more details, more information, and it, it makes you feel that's your your uh, grounding, I guess, right? Understanding all the logistics or all the little nuances of things, and I appreciate that because I do too. I'm probably not at the same level as you. But I can appreciate that. I know my one daughter was the same way because abstract questions. I do that to people all the time. I'll ask them questions. And sometimes I watch their body language. As I mentioned before, we started recording. I, I like watching body language and, and, you know, becoming a student of human behavior better every single day. And I'll ask questions. And sometimes people are like, 
why are you asking that? <laughs> because nobody's ever challenged them to not give a robotic response, as you mentioned. Are people a free thinker or are they a robot like you were doing in sixth grade? I think that is priceless. And, you know, that, that speaks volumes about where you're at in your life. You definitely are a free thinker. And isn't our society today, so as an offshoot question for that, what do you think our associations have to do with our ability to be a person that's just puking responses, being a robot versus a free thinker? How do you think our associations, not just people, but our associations of what we read, what we watch and listen to, how do you think, how important do you think that is to us being a critical free thinker, being a knowledge leader? That is actually a really interesting question. Um, and this idea of regurgitating responses versus actually generating them uh, yourself, I think is um, there's actually probably a mechanistic basis for that. So, uh, meaning it's okay. We've got these, these cortical columns, these, um, these units of neurons that encode patterns and each one can, um, basically understand, uh, some aspect of the world. Um, maybe even the way that aspect of the world is connected to other aspects of the world, but via innervation with other pattern recognizers, basically. So that's a, this whole sheet of pattern recognizers in our brain. Um, I think people that when people are, regurgitating um, and not really thinking, but repeating, um, you can you can almost think of them having stored patterns, stored responses about uh, how a certain domain works, but they can't actually generate those patterns themselves. So they can't take you to the, the, the roots underneath those patterns and say, here's why these patterns are as they are. They can just remember and tell you that thing that they have decided they believe. Um, so I, I think of a, a free thinker and especially a structured free thinker, somebody that actually can um, think in a valuable way, not just somebody that is very open and um, and uh, associative and um, potentially creative, but not uh, generative. Um, yeah, so a, a free thinker of, of this kind, I think, has a, a model and they use that model in order to to, to to derive answers to questions um, rather than simply starting with the answers that they've remembered. So do you think that people that go through, like I'll use this as an example. I went through electronics engineering. I wasn't originally in the finance game. I was, and I worked for, I was in engineering, electronics engineering. And there was 185 of us that went into that program. It was a two-year technical-based engineering program at a, a technical college in, in my city. And only out of the 185 that started with me, only 15 people graduated. 18 went across the stage. Three of them were in the three-year program. They struggled. But 15 of us graduated after two years. Do you think that people that are a high-level free thinker are, have a better ability to be the person that's going to finish school and graduate because they have the ability to look outside the box and not just stick to that pattern of what the instructor's teaching or what's in the book. They're able to develop their own cognizant thought process and that helps them get better and be able to pass. Right. That, that's interesting. You know, I'm, uh, I think it it depends what process you're using to uh to be free. So there you know there's ways of being free that are non-compliant. They diverge um and uh so they they wouldn't probably confer benefits in a setting like a school setting. Um uh but I think if you're if what you're doing is um asking deeper questions about the material um or even deeper questions about adjacent uh topics that are related, then you might accumulate this this uh, uh foundation from which you can understand the topics that are being discussed um, w w basically with, with more robustness from more angles. Um, 
So I, so I, I think it probably depends exactly how you're using that freedom. It's not just something that um, correlates one to one with uh, success. Yeah, it's just it's just something that popped into my head. I thought, hey, why not ask Zach sure. and see what his opinion is? Because I know the more I ask questions, like I just got off the phone with my son here a while ago, and he's in college, and he's going through some, uh, you know, electrical, electronic stuff. He's in a similar program. And I was just talking to him. I said, you need to challenge yourself. You need to go and have conversations with the instructor, other students, well, what happens if they're worse off than how I'm feeling? I said, well, it can it can make you think differently. It can challenge your thought process. The biggest problem is I find in society today, people's thought process gets stagnant. They jump onto a hamster wheel of life and they go to work, go home, get paid. Their associations are always, you know, watching the news or or hanging out with people that are, they're just couch potatoes. And I'm not saying a person can't enjoy life. They can't relax. But if you truly want to be a, a free thinker and not a robot, your associations and what you do, and I love how you said it, the questions we ask, right? Just ask questions. And if the person you're asking questions to starts retaliating, then you're asking the wrong person. Go ask the next person until you find like-minded people in order to continue to climb, all right? And that's what my life's been about. I'm a climber. I like climbing and moving forward and and why my whole mission statement and book is about helping people live life on purpose, not by accident, because if we get stuck in those patterns, like you put it. So you mentioned as well, being, you know, since 11 years of age, being a diabetic and just eating whatever you wanted to, to, even though your parents would like you to have some green stuff on your plate. Um, did you find it a challenge? Like, obviously it's a lot to have to put on to an 11 year old. What was the thing that, really made a difference for you did you did you research and study it yourself did you have an adult say hey we'll help guide you or have you always been self-driven even from that young of an age yeah actually I, I never had anybody manage it for me um i did speak with nurses basically daily for a few months as i was diagnosed um but most of what i learned was driven by uh experimentation on myself so uh, the, the doctors and nurses encouraged me to keep a journal of everything I ate, of all my blood sugars, of all the insulin I did, uh, just so I would have a record and be able to understand the patterns. Um, and uh, so I did that and I, I took that really seriously and actually did sort of went above and beyond and it did extra experiments. So I would like, I would prick my finger 30 times in the morning just to see exactly how my blood sugar was moving. And so over those first few months, I got a pretty good handle on what the variability was like, um, you know, what things created what kind of outcomes in me. Um, and then of course, you know, as, as uh, I've grown up and introduced new elements to my life, um, then the, you know, the, the ground is always moving and you have to keep adjusting and, and keep learning. Uh, but, you know, by, by having this experimental mindset, I pretty quickly got a handle, at least on the basics. So that's, that's amazing though. Like most people, cause I know in my industry, I do finance, but I also do healthcare and life insurance, critical illness and stuff. And I deal with diabetics all the time. Plus my, my dad now in his eighties has become diabetic. My brother-in-law in his sixties and, you know, not everybody's going to be as critical or a thought, you know, be a free thinker about it and, and, and want to figure it out like you. So for those that don't really, I was going to ask this later on, but since we're on the topic, can you explain to the listeners and people watching what exactly is type one diabetes? And even if you want to explain diabetes and because there's more than type one, there's type one, type two, 
And you, you know, it's catalyst for change, as was mentioned in in uh, the, uh, the breakdown that I was looking at, and not a death sentence. But can you do you mind sharing more about diabetes and exactly what how it affects somebody's life and some of the things that people can do to better themselves? Maybe you can be that catalyst for them to be a free thinker and go out and and you know live a better life. Sure. Yeah. Well, one thing, um, just as a, a lead into this, uh, I, I was thinking about as we we're talking about your daughter, um, is a uh, Dan Dennett, who's a modern philosopher, uh, probably the most famous modern philosopher, has this idea of um of competence before comprehension. So typically, we we know how to do uh, before we actually understand how it is that we do that, and, and we uh, he's also got this idea of a need to know basis. So if we can be competent we may never even need to comprehend in order to function. Um, so what is comprehension even for in that case, if competence can do the job just by itself? So for, for example, my calculator has no idea what it means that I'm doing all these things, but it can produce the outputs I'm looking for. So it doesn't need to know math because it has a, um, it is competent in math. It doesn't need to understand it. Um, so, you know, uh, basically I think what, co what comprehension is for is that comprehension allows you to generalize so, you know, in the case of diabetes, if I learned that um, this piece of bread, um, you know, requires me to do this amount of insulin, um, and I don't understand the principle why it would be this amount of bread and this amount of insulin, then I can't go and take that to a new case. I'm not, I wouldn't be good in, in a novel situation. Um, but if you start to understand some of the things about glucose metabolism and the role of insulin and the different variables that, uh, uh, that um, basically affect how your insulin works in the body, things like exercise, things like sleep. Uh, sickness, then you can start to build a causal model, basically a a comprehensive understanding of the situation rather than just a competent uh, ability in the situation. And that lets you be uh, just a more general um, actor, understander. Um, it gives you more control ultimately. Um, so, okay. So now diabetes, um, all, all types of diabetes basically have to do with insulin and glucose. And so broadly, the, the similarity across the types is that you have insufficient insulin um, now, more specifically, in the case of type 1s, uh, you don't produce any insulin. So your immune system has attacked the insulin-producing cells of your pancreas and basically make it so that you're no longer producing any insulin uh, pretty quickly over time. And then uh, what that means is that the glucose would pool in your blood because it requires uh, insulin to, to bring it from the blood to the cells. Um, now, that's not a way to live. I mean, it's literally, you know, it, it's not, you can't live that way um, because glucose is required for energy and you need it to be in the cells, not in the blood. And it does damage when it's it's pulling in the blood. So um, all type one diabetics have to be on insulin therapy, meaning they have to give themselves the amount of insulin that their pancreas otherwise would be making if they were a regular person. Um, and that's a constant battle. You always have to offset uh, any glucose that you eat. Um, you have to basically make sure you don't overdo it on the insulin or underdo it on the insulin in order to keep sugar flat. Um, and yes, it's quite a trick. Just just to give um just some sense of how difficult this is actually. Let's say you're a regular person eating about 200 grams of carbohydrate per day. 200 grams of carbohydrate, if I did not um, do any insulin, would take my sugar from about 100 milligrams per deciliter, which is the standard you know amount for everybody, all the way up to 900 milligrams per deciliter, which would put me in a coma. So if I just had a regular day, like a regular person, and didn't think about my diabetes and ate like normal, uh, then I would be in the hospital by the end of the day. Um, so that, that's just how intensive it is. Is that what they call, is that similar to what they would call the egon into diabetic shock? Is that what I've heard um, that term before? Yeah, I've heard diabetic shock too. And I'm not sure that it has a 
technical um, definition. I think it might okay. it might be grouping a bunch of different um, things that can happen. So there's they're generalizing. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, generalizing, but um, not in the way that confers additional comprehension. Yeah, uh, exactly, which would frustrate you and my absolutely. That's why I just thought I'd ask because I've heard it so often. Even in my industry, they they throw that term around, right? So sure. Yeah, there's um. So you could you could have um uh, complications if you went low. So if your sugar was say 50 or lower, you might have a seizure, you might pass out. Um, you know, in the worst case, your brain could stop functioning after some time. Uh, so that that's, I compare that to like, you're flying a plane close to the ground and you absolutely can't hit the ground. You know, that's that that's the first rule. Um, uh, now, if your sugar is too high, then you can have a uh, diabetic ketoacidosis, meaning yeah, you're, not, um, you're, you're burning fat and producing byproducts and those are acidic. And then uh, your organs are compromised as a result of that. Um, so I think those are maybe sort of two ends of the diabetic shock spectrum. Um, and then, uh, so type two diabetes, basically you're not, um, you still have the ability to produce insulin. Uh, it just meant it may not be enough insulin given your diet, your lifestyle, um, and the way in which your cells, uh, are sensitive or not to insulin. Um, so basically, you know, uh, so type one has zero insulin and type two has not enough, uh, given the, the circumstances, but in the case of a type two, you can modulate that by, um, doing things like exercise and, and modified diet in order to reduce your insulin needs so that you might produce enough, um, and actually sensitize your cells to insulin so that they're, uh, that they respond and you need less of it. Okay. Yeah. I was my, my daughter, my oldest daughter, which I never even thought of mentioning her. She's, she was diagnosed with diabetes, uh, probably four or five years ago, she's got a, she's got a sensor on her arm that actually she, she's advanced. And now she can use, I think it's her, she uses her phone, but she has to constantly check her sugar levels and watch and track what she eats. Um, because she's type one. And, uh, then I have family members that are type two and it's, it's, it's diabetes as in society today, really taken seriously enough because i know so many people that are that are diabetic when i think about it in the realm of my clients and friends and family is it is it worse than than people realize or is it just it, it's it is what it is like i don't understand that i haven't looked at the statistics of it but obviously you probably would know is it something that's becoming worse in our society because of all the junk that people ingest and i'm not talking just too much sugar um, and processed foods. I'm talking about the dyes. I'm talking about everything that we eat as a nutritional society. Has it made diabetes worse over the years? Like are the numbers spiking in our, in North America? Yeah, they definitely are. Um, so probably, probably worth uh, also treating type one two separately here. Type one is becoming more prevalent. Um, okay. And the onset is happening sooner in life. So I think it used to be like the average age of diagnosis is like 12 and now it's like 10. So, wow. um, and so uh, it is thought, it's thought to be a hereditary disease, meaning it's, it's um, uh, supposedly not um, that sensitive to lifestyle factors, at least whether it happens or not um, in your life is, is basically determined by genetics. Um, but the, this earlier onset thing would indicate that there's some, lifestyle inputs, uh, at least to when you, when you come down with it. Um, and it, that, that, as you mentioned, it might be toxic, uh, load from things that we're having in the environment. Um, you know, uh, things in our food, things that we're breathing, um, that, that might contribute to this autoimmune response that ends up leading to diabetes. 
Uh, type 2 is also definitely getting more prevalent. Oh, just uh, for a sense of the numbers, I think about one in 200 people in America have type 1 diabetes. Wow. Um, it used to be like one That's... in 500. Um, and, it, you know, it is it is worse than people think in the sense of it is quite um, it's quite an intensive and expensive disease to manage. Um, there are no days off. There's really no hours off. Um, and so it, it's a it's quite a it's quite a burden for people that have it. Um, and I'm lucky that I like numbers. I like systems. And so, um, you know, I can I can at least be myself most of the time while managing it. Um, but I imagine somebody that is not as interested in systems would really have a, a difficult time with it. Well, they need more technology. I know my daughter, when she first was managing in hers and then went to a point now years later where she can, she could, she doesn't have to prick herself all the time. She had whatever is embedded in her arm or whatever. And, and, you know, it's made it easier for her. Um, she's very analytical, uh, but it's made her life easier to manage because she has other health issues besides diabetes, unfortunately, in her mid thirties. And, I think technology would be a blessing for many people today because we probably have a lot higher death rate because of diabetes as well. If this was in the seventies and eighties, uh, you know, I, I heard of people dying from diabetes. Do you know much about that? Is it still, are people being able to manage it better because of technology, even though they're not analytical like you? Yeah, I think they are. I, I think um, we've, we've, um, we definitely have gotten better at, at management, and hopefully that means the complications uh, are lessening, including the life expectancy um, uh, issue. So yeah, I mean, as you're mentioning, it, the I looked at some cohort studies from di diabetics in the 50s and 60s. Um, you know, people that have now aged uh, 50 to 70 years since, since diagnosis, and those numbers are pretty dismal. So uh, diabetes was somewhat of a, a life sentence. Um, uh, but it's getting less so. So I think um, I saw some some numbers out of Scandinavia from like a cohort from the 90s or the 2000s. And it was like type ones, it could expect roughly a decade less um, than uh, peers. But um, in my my hope, and actually what I've heard from doctors is that based on how well we're managing it now, uh, hopefully it would just be a matter of a couple of years. Um, but it's something that is something that has um, weighed on me somewhat and definitely contributed to my fixation on, on health. Um, you know the the issue really is uh, cardiovascular complications. There there is a higher cancer rate also because um, insulin is uh, effectively a cancer promoting hormone. Um, oh, okay. But, uh, but cardiovascular disease is the is the main um, issue that type ones run into, um, and that's because basically all this variability in in the glucose in the blood uh, does put a strain on um, on your on basically all of your blood vessels and your heart. Uh, so yeah, that's something that's freaked me out for sure. Uh, but really what I can do is just live, live as well as possible. Um, and spread the word though, like spread the word and, and communicate about it and let people that have diabetes know that they can have hope that there's solutions. They can put some effort in or reach out to somebody that can coach and help them because not everybody's going to be at, at a high level of a, um, a thinker or a doer as, as Zach is, right? So good for you for being willing to be vulnerable and share about it because I do know people that have diabetes that don't want to talk about it. They they ignore it or they sneak away from their loved one that is trying to help them and they cheat, right? I know my brother-in-law, he's got diabetes and my sister's 
very, uh, I'm going to use the word anal about it, very, you know, matter of factly, she makes sure he tests and this and this and that. And he might cheat once in a while. Well, she knows when he cheats, even if he's not around her, because she's tracking and journaling and following all the numbers, right? So I get it, people listening, it's no different than anything in life. If, if it's if it's worthwhile to you, you'll figure it out. Yes, you might miss something. But there's always something that can replace it. You got to tell yourself, what is my end game? What is the prize I'm looking for? My prize is a healthy life, longevity. You know, if I have to have insulin, like Zach saying, it can cause complications in regards to cancer, et cetera. So my prize is living a healthier life. So you can't eat that. Oh, well. Like myself, I've gotten over the last 20 years because I have two kids that had, you know, as kids, well, they're not kids anymore, they're adults that had nutritional issues. And I started tracking and I get people, what are you doing? Well, I got a journal. What are you journaling for? Well, I'm making this because I, I was a single dad of my five kids. So I cooked their meals and I'd literally see how this child would respond and I'd see the next day, okay, this is something different. And I I literally would track, and I was the guy in the grocery store already 20 years ago. You don't see that very often looking at the labels. Right. And people were, you know, <laughs> my kid, dad, can't we just be like everybody else and toss the stuff in the cart? No, <laughs> we can't. Dad, why my friends, they're eating out of a box. Their mom gets home and she's tired and cooks chicken nuggets and stuff out of a box. And, and again, I'm not here to criticize people because they're living their life. Mine was, I got to figure out how to cook for my kids in, a, in 30 to 45 minutes, nutritional meal. It's got to have a certain amount of vegetables. It's got to have protein. And I was already studying macros back then. And wow. can you imagine, right? I'm serious. And people would be like, are you, what are you doing? You got any pop? No, I don't have pop in my house. Why? Because I'd be a child abuser. Well, what do you mean? Well, people give pop to their kids. And those listening, there's gonna, this is going to offend some people. And sorry, but not sorry. You give a kid pop. And it triggers what? It triggers glucose. It triggers their body to to act differently. They're behaviorally different. And what do parents do? They get mad at them. They punish them. They yell at them because they're bouncing all over the walls. And guess what? They give them the ignition to the dynamite called a right. can of pop. So I stopped having pop in my house when my kids were before. Some of them weren't even teenagers yet. I just started doing more research and because I was pattern taught like you we talked earlier you mentioned about patterns I was taught patterns as a kid my mom and dad had a pop fridge and they had you know here's the chips my grandparents here's the chocolate bars it was all about let's let's pleasure ourselves with all this non-nutritional stuff that's going to make us go through energy levels highs and lows and spikes so you know Maybe it was a good thing that one of my kids was starting to have health issues and I didn't like what the health professionals were saying and being analytical like I am. I started journaling everything. I started reading as much as I could. Obviously, there's more information on the internet now today than there was back then. But, you know, and even buying stuff. Now, today, there's so much better things, right? Um, and stuff that's not sugar-based that has natural sweeteners because I don't like artificial sweeteners whatsoever because I've done so much research on what it does to your brain and what it does to your body artificial sweeteners but anyway we could spend the whole podcast talking about this but I really ap appreciate you sharing brother is there anything else you want to add before we go on to the next thing 
Yeah, sure. Well, you, you asked about how large a problem this is and whether yeah. we should drive awareness. Um, I think for type ones, the thing that would help is just if people um, just, uh, just more recognition as to the onset, because it can, you know, for me, it was a surprise. My parents had no idea what was going on, lost a lot of weight. I felt very sick. And then finally I show up at the hospital a month later and um, they know immediately what's going on. So I, I do think awareness would help at least to, you know, minimize some of that upfront, uh, you know, difficulty that people experience when, as they're diagnosed. But um, for society at large, type two is the larger problem. I think about 10% of the U.S. has type two diabetes. So that's a pretty significant, um, you know, strain on the healthcare system and most importantly on people's quality of life. Um, and so, you know, as you're saying, I think it is, um, it's, you know, I wouldn't even necessarily frame it in terms of like cheating. Um, I would frame, or, you know, like a staying good and cheating. I would, I would think about holistically upgrading your life so that your body is functioning better. Um, and if you, if you manage to do that, um, then potentially you can, you can sometimes have a, a piece of cake or something like that. Uh, you know, it's, 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 um, but you know, a person like, you know, it's how to offset that because you're tracking everything and know exactly what is going to cause this spike and how to uh, how to offset it? The average okay. consumer just doesn't have that. I, I've dealt with too many of them. So, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I agree with you. Have that. You could have that piece of cake. But I look at the fact of all the things that I've taken out of my diet over the last five years, like uh, root vegetables and stuff, things that they're starchy that can cause, you know, your your uh, sugar levels to go up and and how it would make me think my thought process my brain fog went away when I started uh, doing intermittent fasting and different things over the over my you know over the last five years and really at the end of the day to live a life where our body which is an engine runs well it takes effort yeah that's for sure you look at the people that go to the gym and they work out and they come out eating a Snickers bar like Come on, right? Okay. <laughs> you know, I'm not saying the Snickers bar isn't good, but come on, you know we need to we need to educate and help society elevate. It would be so much better for our healthcare system. It would take such a burden off of it, and we'd have people living longer. We'd have people that aren't aren't as grumpy, right? Yep, for sure. Going going yeah. to the carb carb hunger where they you know they need to eat because all they live is a life of eating carbs. Not that carbs can are, are completely bad. But there's a difference between good and bad carbs, as you know. For sure. I, I think um, it's just sort of coming into public consciousness now that um, what we eat changes the way we feel. And it's not only the sort of uh, energy and fitness sort of side of things. It's also like mentally, psychologically, um, having having a healthy diet, uh, you know, because of more stable sugar, also because of nutrients that go and actually build the building blocks of a functioning brain. Um yeah. All those things, you know, make up, it can make a very positive difference to the way we feel. And I think there is this sort of detachment between mind and body. We think that like, you know, you, you either do therapy or you medicate the brain and then the body is just a whole different question. But I think as it happens, like the way we feel is a, is, is render, is a um, system for rendering um, the states or the value of the states of things are happening in the world, things are happening in the brain, things are happening in the body. And so you, there might not be any levers that you have to pull besides just eating better things and, you know, aligning your circadian uh, with, with your sleep and your eating. Um, and then all of a sudden, you, you know, you thought you were worried about X, Y, and Z, but it turned out you were just feeling unhealthy and feeling bad as a result of that. Uh, so I think that that is a major lever for people to, to pull. The direct correlation between nutrition and how we feel is so prevalent. Um, 
Yeah, people, again, we could talk the whole podcast about this. I'm enjoying this a lot because I do, obviously, you're you most likely are at a way higher level than I am in regards to it because of your diabetes. I'm not diabetic, but I know just changing nutrition and and following certain processes. And have I had those moments where I struggle? Yeah, usually it's because I'm traveling to for business or whatever. I'm in the US and it's really difficult depending on where you are at to follow a specific nutritional, um, you know, lifestyle, right? Because I don't call it dieting. Everything's dieting. People that eat meat and potatoes, that's a North American diet. People that are vegetarian, that's a, that's a diet. That's a nutritional diet. It, people are so hung up on the word and they'll say, well, you're dieting. I said, no, this is, it's a nutritional lifestyle. This is the way I live. I track these macros. This is what I do. Why do you do it? Because I feel better. My energy's better. I don't have aches and pains like I used to do. Inflammation's lower. Every like people listening, having a proper nutritional diet, it just it's just a, it's a game changer. That's that's the way I can put it. And hopefully they'll figure it out. Reach out to you or reach out to me or use that little tool called Google and start watching some great videos. There's people that talk about it. And uh, yeah, anyway, we're going to move on because otherwise I won't get through all the other great questions I have for you, if you wouldn't mind. So Zach, you co-founded Quavos as a freshman in college. Most are focusing on studying and passing classes, brother. <laughs> you maybe were as well. However, what changed to want to get you to pioneer the development of healthy chips made from egg whites? Sure. Yeah. Frankly, I might not have been as focused on studying and passing classes as my parents would have hoped. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I brought it up because, dude, I was a college dude. My kids have gone through college and university. And the difference between me and other parents with my kids, we're real and we're honest with one another. I'll tell them, you know what? Hey, I did stupid stuff. Let's get past it. Let's, you know, thanks for sharing. Let's talk about it and let's move on, right? We we are a culmination of our, our life mistakes and turn them into lessons and move on so continue on please sure well i'll, I'll just share one little story about that sure. actually um, uh so at the end of freshman year of college oh this is not actually because of the business by the way this was just um this was just me being lazy and frankly wanted to smoke pot with friends instead of studying so um i had a at a statistics class and we had to learn r which is a like a, a language for for um you know do, doing stats um and it was the most unappealing thing in the world to me to, to learn that. And so I decided to pass the other class just so I wouldn't have to, you know, do all that well. Um, so I started not doing the assignments, uh, showing up only once in a while. And then by the time the final came around, I had a 62%. And in order to pass the class, I needed a 60 or above. So I had to spend my whole finals period basically learning all the stats that I missed. Um, and, you know, fortunately it worked out. Um, I didn't have to, I didn't have to come home with a failing grade, but I came pretty darn close. Um, yeah. So... I have I have things like that too. I can remember taking uh, statistical analysis and oh my gosh, some of the unappealing, good way to put it, unappealing, useless is another way to put it, stuff that we get taught and even what my son's going through in school right now. And I told him, I said, you know what? Keep your eye on the prize, that useless stuff. You'll never have to use, use it. But it's really it's teaching you to be a more of a critical thinker and put and see whether or not you're the cream that rises to the top or are you going to be a person that's a quitter, right? Maybe like you realized at the last moment you had to put, you know, you had to put the pedal to the metal, but you did it. That's the difference between you and most of society 
and I'm not here to pick on society, but the correlation of numbers between people being st- successful or, you know, being robots in life and following the, the process of so- what society does, like the numbers are of people that are leaders are small compared to the followers, right? There's very few leaders and people in our world need people like you that are analytical, that are, you know, critical thinkers, that are free thinkers, that are willing to share and willing to learn and develop and climb and share that story. Because somebody, only if only one person listening to this podcast, right, only one, and it triggers them to change their nutritional lifestyle, or maybe they're diabetic type one, type two, and they and they seek more help. We've done our job, brother. One person is all I'm looking for. And people go, oh, you should try hitting the masses. You know what? I'd rather, in darts, you're not hitting the masses. You're looking for a bullseye. I'm looking for one, right? So continue on. What what happened then? So you you had that class and you managed to pass it. What happened with you being, you know, pioneering the development of a healthy chip made with egg whites? What was it, did it have to do with the fact because you were diabetic and you were sick and tired of trying to find healthy chips to eat? Yeah, certainly. Um, so I, I well, at, when I was diagnosed, I, I, I got pretty into eggs as just like a really convenient snack because eggs don't have any carbs and um, car, you know, carbs are the thing that you have to manage. Um, it's not to say carbs are bad. In fact, diabetics should have some carbs, um, but it's uh, sometimes it's easier to avoid the hassle and avoid the variability. Um, so I, I loved eggs for that reason. And I discovered pretty early on that I like those flaky bits that would coat the pan. You know, we didn't use, for, fortunately, non-stick pan in our house. Um, and so, you know, I would always scrape those off on my plate. And, I, you know, I, I sort of recognized that that was like a crunchy little bit that wasn't, uh, it wasn't carby like other crackers, other chips were. Um, so actually going into freshman year of college, I revisited this idea. I'm not sure when I came up with it in the first place. I, I think probably end of high school, or I'm sorry, end of middle school, early high school. Um, but right after high school, I, I had some free time and I called up my best friend and I said, hey, I'm going to work on those egg chips again. Do you want to come over and experiment with me? And so we did. We spent a few weeks, I think, um, kind of using different devices. We used the air fryer. We used the pan. We used the toaster. We used the microwave um, and just played around. Uh, didn't get too far. But then we kind of had in mind that maybe this was a business we would start after college. You know, we would try to, to make it happen. And then actually um, his sophomore year of college, he applied to an incubator at his school. And uh, basically we got accepted. Um, we made it to the finals. We won the pitch competition. We got a small check from the school. And then that kind of kicked things off. Um, so by the summer after my sophomore year, we kind of had, you know, a business that was starting. Um at that point, decided to take a year off of school to work on that, uh, getting that product off the ground. Apologies. Wow. My dogs are uh, in the background here. Um, That's okay. In. That's okay. That's life, brother. Right? Anybody listening, watching, it, it happens. I've had I've had uh, single, a single dad I interviewed in the first year. He had his little boy. He was like literally single parent of a little four-year-old boy. And... He literally, you know, one moment he was eating and his dad was like, this is going to happen. I said, that's okay. I left it in the podcast because people laughed, right? It was, it, it, you know what? This is life. We're not, I don't want this to be a robot. This is, this is, it is what it is, right? So he was dealing with his little boy, even going to the bathroom, right? It was whatever, right? Some of it, some of it, I had to add it out because it was a little too, too much, but most of it I left in, but 
So don't don't ever apologize. So that's that's amazing though that you you know you like the eggs because uh, I I'm quite familiar. I love eggs too, and being a person that keeps my carbs, I I track my carbs and keep them low. It, my net and I only focus on good net carbs. I'm more focused on healthy fats and proteins. I like eggs too, and I smiled when you said that because I like the crispy things. <laughs> And the band too. So I'm going to have to definitely check out your product. I don't even know if it's available in because I'm in Canada. I don't know if I mentioned that to you or not. Um, so you you got the small check. You took a year off, freshman, and you know, part of me after your sophomore year. Where did it go on from there? How What was the journey like continuing on from that point? Yeah. So that, that year, um, we really laid the foundation. So we raised capital. We, um, you know, developed the product in the home kitchen and then scaled it up to a, a manufacturing process at a commercial um, kitchen space and um, developed the package, uh, sort of learned what we needed to know in order to be able to distribute that online and then also in retail stores. We, we landed our first retailers that year. Um, actually, uh, some, some of it was just like in person, you know, walking in and giving it back to the store owner. But uh, we were on like a, a local TV show and... I had a competition and the prize was a, a contract with a retailer. Um, and so, yeah, all that happened. It was a, it was a blitz that year. Um, or just in terms of, you know, thing, one thing after the next, um, what year was that? That was 2018 to 2019 summer, 2018. Wow. Wow. Not, not very long ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, but you know, what I would say is even though there was a lot going on, um, I wanted more academic stimulus again. I was feeling fairly lonely and somewhat bored. It felt like just this is going to take forever. And um, I really want to be in a social environment again because I was just back at home living with my parents. And my only social life was with my co-founder um, and investors and and uh, things of that sort. But it, I really wanted that um, that academic engagement again. I was, was sort of like... Um, philosophy was just calling to me every single night. And I, I wanted to kind of like finish up the work day in order to be able to think about the things I love thinking about. Um, so it was, you know, I, I was I'm really grateful to have had that year and it taught me a lot. Um, but I ended up going back to school. Uh, my co-founder, Nick continued to work on the business full time. Uh, actually ha he has for these last five years. Um, and, uh, so he's, he didn't even go back to school and graduate. He just became a full-time entrepreneur. Wow. That's, and your newest venture, which is with Vincent, right? That's right. Um, Nick is, is uh, so he's he's running this ship and are you still quite involved with it or are you just a silent partner that helps push along the process? Are you still quite yeah. involved? Um, yeah, I've, I've been a board member. So, you know, I was, we were co-founders, co-CEOs and I decided to give the reins over to Nick. Um, and, but at that point I became, we set up a formal board uh, we found a third member. Oh, wow. Yep. Um, and I became a board member. So, uh, you know, we, we've had, uh, I guess we've got officially quarterly check-ins on the books, but there's always stuff that comes up and I talked to Nick a good amount, you know, I, there's, we've had maybe 20 or so strategic considerations that have been kind of like big, big picture stuff. And, um, those things Nick and I always talk about, um, well, congratulations. So that's yeah, thank good. You, thank you. You're yeah. welcome. You know, yeah, but you're the you're you're the type of person I love being associated with and developing friendships and and you know networking with, because though I may be in my fifties, 
I'm not dead yet. People that are listening, I still have desires and dreams. And you know, you mentioned Zach that you were just kind of feeling lonely and kind of at a sink in life because you're a person that has a thirst for learning, thirst for growing, and and what I tell people, the climb. Like you know, I've been in there. I get to the what they call a valley of despair, and I think to myself, why am I here? It's usually because. My brain, which is a computer, just like yours and everybody listening or watching, it doesn't know the difference between the truth and the lie. I got to feed it what I want to feed it, and it wants to learn. And the majority of the population camps their brain when they get into their already into their mid 20s, maybe late 20s, early 30s. And they just, and they wonder why their emotional state of mind is lonely, camped, sad depressed because they're thinking about the past they're anxious about the future they forgot their brains a computer feed it some knowledge and you decided to go back to school you know good for you i'm the same way i'm constantly learning brother and i tell people they laugh some people are understand it some people laugh i'm a working project till the day i take my last breath i want to learn more i like I, I don't read books like I used to. I listen to books. This, it's just timing. I, I My Audible account, I've always got two, three books and they go depending on my exactly. mindset. I'm listening to this book. Oh, I want to listen to this one today, <laughs> right? So I got multiple books. I got podcasts. I'm not listening to, again, sorry, listeners, if this chokes you, but I don't listen to true crime podcasts. I listen to podcasts by people that are entrepreneurs, that are critical thinkers, that are people that are going to help elevate my life. Some of them are nutritional, some of them are business, some of them are just, you know, hey, have you thought about this? Make things that make you go, hmm, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I could appreciate what you were saying going back to school and just keeping on, keeping on feeding that brain ears and, you know, and your, and your, you know, your free thinking process and the ability to be a thought leader. And most people don't even understand what a thought leader is. We won't get into that. But in, in your case, you're one of those, you are a thought leader in my mind and a very short period of time, I can see that. And I'm going to thank you for society, for being a person that is a thought leader and wanting to change people's perspective about life helping them with their nutrition and just pushing the needle forward good for you well thank you you know okay i, I have uh, one more piece about the childhood sure. ad i'd love um, that yeah <laughs> but it, it relates to this point um i was i was uh always looking for like arbitrage opportunities i wanted to make money for free i just wanted like i wanted to find that little hack where uh, you explain arbitrage to people i know what arbitrage is Explain that term before you continue on, because there's a lot of people that are gonna, not going to know what it means, unfortunately. Yep. So arbitrage is when you can basically reliably um, uh, transact in a way where you capture profits. Uh, so it said differently, like um, somebody has this thing they're selling over here for $2. Somebody else has stated um, an interest to buy something, the equivalent thing for $3. And they're not talking to each other. If they were talking to each other, then they would figure out, you know, somewhere between two and three, maybe 250 and everybody walks away happy. But if you see the person selling, the person buying and uh, realize there's a dollar gap, then you can go buy that thing, sell that thing, make the dollar. Um, so it, you know, it depends on having, um, having uh, basically visibility and reliability in the transactions. If, if it's only that the person might buy it for $3, then you're taking a risk. But if it's that you know they will, then there's an opportunity that you can where you can guarantee profits. That's um, a good explanation. So anyway, oh, thank, thank you. you. Um, so I was uh, I was always, you know, I wanted to I wanted to, you know, trade stocks and options and all this stuff to just like 
you know, figure out how to like cheat the system almost, um, uh, or not even cheat it, but just like uh, hack it, figure out the way to do it. And I, I sort of, uh, over the last maybe five-ish years, I have come into the mentality that the real hack is deeper knowledge. And the real hack is cooperating and um, and like just trusting that if you do good, you'll get good. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've moved away from that sort of uh, orientation towards, uh, you know, just like figuring out the easy way. Uh, the, the real, the real easy way is actually just persistence and, um, you know, keep your expectations low and your efforts high and, um, and keep going. Oh, awesome. But <laughs> this is amazing conversation, but yeah, it's, we really, at the end of the day, life is in session. I say this all the time. This isn't a dress rehearsal. And to live your best life involves being curious and and then satiating that curiosity by seeking out knowledge. There's so much knowledge. People listening or watching, you know that book that you've had sitting on your shelf that you've never cracked the spine? <laughs> Guess what? There's so much knowledge in it, right? Obviously, if it's uh, fictional, not so much. But non-fictional, you know, we just need to, what's your passion? Like I, I sit and have conversations with people that I coach. And again, my brand is give a heck, right? My podcast is give a heck. My mantra has been for 20 years now in my finance industry, now that I've gravitated into brand is how to help people live life on purpose and not by accident. Well, that's helping them understand their passion, their why. Like, why do you want to do that, Zach? Blah, 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 blah. Well, why is that? And continuing to have those good questions to make people's brain expand and, and actually stop being camped is thrilling to me, right? Because it helps me continue to grow. And I know you're a person that's inquisitive and you're always wanting to feed yourself. So again, I can't help but, uh, you know, raise the fact of who you are as an individual and the fact that you're out serving others. And thank you again. And those listening and watching, Hopefully you're appreciative of people like Zach and how he's going out and working hard to develop and curtail, you know, what he's sharing with the world, but he's using himself as the vessel and trial and error, because I guarantee you've had situations, Zach, where things aren't perfect. You've had to recorrect and, and just like somebody has a, uh, you know, they have a mentor or somebody that helps correct their lives or just Maybe they're just somebody that you can talk to and you realize it yourself just by talking to them. Maybe that's your type of person that's that way, but good for you. I appreciate you, brother. Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much. You're welcome. welcome. So Zach, you appeared on ABC's Shark Tank in 2021. What was that process like from the application to finally securing an investor? What was that whole, like, tell us the story of Shark Tank and how that come about and you getting involved with that. Yeah, sure. So um, they, it's the Shark Tank actually saw us in a, uh, written up in a, a magazine. And so their producers reached out and said, you know, we'd like you to apply if you want. Um, and it had always been a dream of ours. You know, we, uh, both of our families had watched Shark Tank growing up and, and we always had it kind of in mind that, you know, with Quavos, we'd want to be in, in the tank eventually. So, uh, we, we applied, um, we went through the whole process. This was, um, 2019 and, uh, we got accepted and then um, it must have been September of 2019, we flew out to LA and we were on the set, ready to film. And uh, essentially we were eighth in line on that, on that first day of filming. 
and things were running a little slow and uh, they, there's a family on set and kids can't be on set for more than six hours. So they bumped that family up it, right in front of us. And so, you know, it's like 530 and the family's going and we're still waiting our turn. And then they come and say, oh, the sharks are getting tired. And so we're going to have you come back tomorrow. And we're like, oh, that's too bad. You know, we spent all day getting excited for this and now it's tomorrow. And then we got a call that night. Hey, tomorrow's looking pretty busy. Come back next year. So flew home. Yep. Yep. Um, Wow. That's, that's, you know, I know I'm not trying to offend anybody, but that's just wrong. That's rude. (laughs) Like, holy, they're devaluating the fact of your time, not just your, your, you know, our time where seconds tick, your, your, your brain power, everything. It's just, oh, wow. So continue on. Sorry. Well, you know, one thing that I'm not sure if this was part of their calculus, but um, I think we weren't very ready. (laughs) Our, you know, there's a bunch of different aspects to the presentation on Shark Tank. You've got your display, you've got your pitch, you've got uh, the Q&A, you've got the ask. So, you know, just how much you're asking for, for what, um, uh, for what percent of equity. Uh, You've got like the whole story of your business so far. You've got your traction. So all these things kind of play into the quality of your appearance on the, sh- on the show. And frankly, we're lacking on a number of those different uh, measures. And uh, so I think it was kind of a blessing in disguise that we came back the following year. Uh, that, you know, a year later, we like basically had 10x as much revenue as we did um, uh, in 2019. So, um, yeah, that, that was uh, – we, we, were, we were very glad with how it shook out. But, yeah, that day was definitely disappointing. Um, it felt like we were so close. So, so you say a year later, you're ten, you're basically ten x your revenue. Uh, I, when you say ten x, I think a grant, Grant Cardone. Um, but you know, at the end of the day, I guess it is what people say. Sometimes things happen for a rhyme or a reason. We don't understand it. Life happens for us, not to us. And we just have to go with the flow. So good for you that you did that. So what happened a year later? You're better prepared. You're you're on track and you show up at Shark Tank. That's right. And it was, uh, it was 2020. So uh, folks know what, what happened in 2020. Um, and so we were, we were uh, basically cooped up in a hotel room for eight days, quarantining before the show. Um, and wow. so that we weren't even allowed in the hallway. Um uh, now it was a nice spot and, uh, you know, we, we, um, it was, that also was actually a blessing in disguise because we had the whole week just to focus on getting ready. Um, we watched a lot of the show each night. We did a lot of pitch practice. We would call mentors and they would kind of grill us like the sharks would. And so that, that was, um, that was a very helpful kind of like, uh, preparatory, uh, week for us. We really got in the headspace. Um, and so, yeah, and then it went well, we, um, of course we were nervous, um, but also, you know, jittery and excited and, um, and we felt ready. And so I think when we went out there, we like, had enough confidence because we knew we, we had the answers we needed. Wow. Congratulations. I haven't, you know, I, I was a, an avid watcher of Shark Tank. My son and I, when he was younger, I PVR and we'd watch it all the time. The last few years I've been so busy with my own finance practice and building my brand of give a heck that I haven't watched it. So I obviously I never seen the episode that you're on. Hopefully I can find it on YouTube and and check it out, but congratulations. So you ended up getting securing an investment and where has it gone from there? How is it, what's it been like working with that shark? Yeah. Well, the, our relationships have been very good. He's, he's been, uh, Daniel has been super helpful with just 
advice on brand, advice on channel strategy, growth, uh, fundraising, all of that. Um, and so, you know, we, we're very grateful that we walked away with that relationship. Um, uh, we've, we've had challenges for sure. Uh, cost has been a primary challenge for us. Um, and so we, we've had to make the manufacturing process more efficient without sacrificing quality. And that took a lot of effort and a lot of capital went into that. Um, and, uh, actually, I, I think I could say this now, um, because it's somewhat public. We actually just did a, a, a partial exit. So we, we just basically handed over the reins to a new, uh, owner and CEO. Um, and that, that happened, uh, just, just this month, I think January 23rd or 24th, um, that closed. So, um, yeah, so, you know, we're, we're, we're really happy with how the whole journey shook out. Um, it, I, I can't, I don't think I can provide details on the trad transaction. That's fine. You don't have to. Yeah, that's right. fine. It's, it's just very interesting that you, you know, you go from Quavos to have to now this newer venture, to being on Shark Tank, to already getting to a point where you have a partial exit from it. What's next for you? Well, right. I guess what's next is is this uh, the second venture I'm working on called Lifestacks. Um, oh, okay. And, so it is yeah, Lifestacks. Okay. It is Lifestacks. Yeah. We've been, well, the partial exit with, was uh, for, for Quavos. Um, and actually I took my um, my payout from that and invested it straight into Lifestacks. Um, so uh, uh, basically what we're doing at Lifestacks is um, we, you know, as we've spoken about nutrition, um, enables you to be your best self. And there's certain ingredients that are very powerful at basically supporting different aspects of cognition and, and physical wellness. So we're taking delicious science backed, um, products, uh, infused with, uh, these powerful uh, supplements and nutritional ingredients and, um, basically, uh, you know, creating products that really raise people up in a way that they can notice and also that helps them in the long run. So, you know, basically um, I'll compare it to like a, a capsule. So like if I give you a capsule, say of turmeric or, or of um, a B vitamin or whatever it is, um, you might get a, an immediate effect from that. You might get a long-term effect from it. Um, you probably won't enjoy the consumption experience so much. It will be something that you just have to do and you have to remember to do. Um, so our thesis is that if we, if we combine powerful supplements into single formulations that are balanced and repeatedly effective, and we make those uh, supplement combos delicious and enjoyable to consume, then people are going to really actually enjoy including them in their day. So they're going to look forward to taking these things. They're going to feel better after they take them, and they're going to be benefited in the long run. Uh, so our very first product um, along these lines is a coffee creamer. Um, it's MCT-based, so it's a healthy fat. It's vegan and keto. Um, and then we have a, a supplement stack um, that is basically des designed to support cognitive functioning, um, it makes you feel good immediately and it supports uh, brain functioning over the long run. Um, yeah. Wow. So that, uh, that's, uh, I'm, I'm really confident about that product. You know, I think people already 70% of Americans consume coffee every day and most add something to the coffee. Some have it black. Um, but, uh, you know, everybody knows that like the caffeine is a temporary fix, but then you probably need a second cup in like four hours. You know, there is that afternoon crash. And so what we've discovered is that the right ingredients can actually make it so that you need less caffeine and it lasts longer. It feels better. And it doesn't come with some of these deficits uh, like, like the crash. Um, well, the MCT is, is important. A lot of people don't understand what healthy fats are. And, you know, like I've tried different creamers and stuff. Um, most of them just, 
they don't number one it's not just the fact of being healthy it's got to taste good or what what are we worried about um i personally like i'm drinking coffee right now i use i use uh uh sweet leaves i use a stevia liquid stevia in there i put a little bit of uh, liquid stevia in for flavoring otherwise I stopped, you know, majority of the, my life, I've always was that person that put in, you know, you put in at one time sugar and what obviously, you know, what sugar does, <laughs> and then you put in cream and no cream, no heavy cream, which is what I, I still use on the weekends is a healthy fat. It still affects something that I want to get into another conversation with before we wrap up the podcast. And that's fasting. You got to be so careful with, with, even heavy cream, though it may not be carb based, it can still it's still a calorie and it still throws out your fasting. So unless there's something else you want to add, I'd like to get into the conversation of fasting, if you wouldn't mind. Sure. Yeah. Well, actually, what I will add is um, you should you should go ahead and try our, our MCT. Um, we use MCT, vanilla flavor and stevia. Um, and so it's like totally clean natural the the mct is also um bound to acacia fiber and that's how it, it's a powderized mct um oh, okay so basically like there's really nothing in there and, that you smart, it's, and and the brand is is smart stacks it's uh life stacks life stacks sorry i apologize no no worries life stacks definitely i i'm the the hardest thing though for me in canada is getting the great stuff that i can get from other countries like the u.s I have to, I've got a couple different companies that ship to Canada, um, like New uh, New Life Marketing, it's called, um, iHerb. So hopefully, do you, hopefully there's somebody online that, because I doubt it, I doubt the product would be on our shelves in Canada. It would be very hard to find, but there's a lot of great online companies. So I'd love to try it. Listeners, check it out. If you're like me looking for a great coffee creamer, because I still like that cream taste, um, this is something that we need to check out, especially when it's MCT based and you said it's vanilla. That's even better. Yeah. We've got three flavors. Uh, vanilla, oh, really? chocolate, and hazelnut. Um, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, um, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, you know, unfortunately we're, we're operating just a single channel right now, which is our own Shopify website. And, oh, you have uh, a Shopify website. Okay. What is it? So, uh, lifestacks.com. Oh, and, is it? Okay. Yep. Um, if you, uh, we, we do ship to Canada. Um, oh, do you? Uh, so, Sweet. Yep. yep. Um, but if you, let me know if you have any trouble with checkout. Sometimes uh, Shopify is a little buggy when we're shipping to Canada, but I can, I can manually override anything. So, um, so, have to get so, so I have a connection now. Is that what, is that what yeah, you're saying? Right. I have, I have an end to making sure I can get this fabulous product and try it out because I will try it out. Like I literally, <laughs> I'm here to give a heck about, as I mentioned before we started recording, I'm here to serve you and what can I do for you to help you better, you know, your circumstances so that you can continue to serve others. Because in my life, the more I serve others, I'm always taken care of, right? The universe, God, whatever people believe in comes back and says, good on you for doing the right things. And I'm always taken care of. Right. So I will make sure that goes into the show notes as well. For those that are listening, if you missed it, don't worry about it. Go to giveaheck.com, go into the show notes, and you will I'll make sure that that link is in there for lifestacks.com. And yeah, I can't wait now to try that product. Oh, that's awesome to find out that you uh, shipped to this. So I'm glad we got into that conversation. So, Zach, let us talk about fasting and why most fasting protocols do not work and cause failure. 
I have done intermittent fasting now for over five years. I do a 16 and eight, whether it's a good way to fast or not, but that's how I've been doing and how I maintain my weight and my actually energy levels and, and, and my thought process is even affected by my fasting. I know you educate people on how one fasts properly without restricting. Can you share with us your experience with intermittent fasting and how people should approach fasting correctly? Yeah, of course. I'd love to talk about fasting. I do have one comment on something you just said, actually, right before that. Sure. Uh, you mentioned when you, when you help others, when you do the right thing, um, some some sort of magical force just ensures that um, it comes back uh, your way um, and that you know, you're lifted up as you're helping others. Uh, and this is very interesting to me. I think there's there's sort of um, a belief, a way of viewing evolution as a competitive enterprise. Um, but one thing that's very interesting that has uh, has cropped up in recent years uh, in in the evolutionary literature is actually most of evolution is about cooperation. So essentially, um, uh, you know, the, the only at the highest level when you're looking at organisms in a competitive arena, you know, attacking each other or, or you're sharing them um, uh, or having scavenged from the same food supply, then it's like, it's a either or, it's a zero sum kind of dynamic. But when you actually look at the organism itself, it's like, it's just the biggest corporation, the biggest kind of cooperative regime that you could ever imagine, like trillions of parts that are that are working together to uh, create, you know, basically shared outcomes. Um, and part, part of it is, um, you know, just like people working together at a company or members of society work together, uh, the cells share fate, and so they 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 have to they have to sort of contribute to the betterment of the vehicle that they're in. Otherwise, they cease to exist. Also, and so um, there's one more anecdote uh, along these lines. Uh, John von Neumann, who came up with the uh, computer architecture that we use right now, um, also invented game theory. And the biggest criticism of his game theory that you know came out in the years after he published um, was that he failed to account for antagonistic or um, competitive dynamics. He was mostly interested in, um, you know, getting equilibrium where people would cooperate. Um, and people were like, what are you talking about? You know, game theory or, you know, economics is in part about competition and uh, that's how society works. But for him, things actually got done. You know, th things that mattered happened when people cooperated. Um, so it wasn't about, uh, you know, us, me against everybody. It was about what can we do together? Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think, I think potentially like that is the secret of of uh, growth in the universe is uh, cooperative regimes. Um, well, synergy, working together and and uplifting people, and not having a society where they're always I'll help you, and always having my hand out expecting back, and not just helping with the the you know it may sound corny, but people listening or watching like sometimes you just you need to give just for the sake of it making you feel good right knowing that you helped another human being uh elevate or live a life or live a moment on purpose or whatever the case may be sometimes that's just enough and and as you mentioned it just it comes back right and and we don't always have to be uber competitive yes competitiveness i know i get some entrepreneurs that listen to my show they're probably going i thrive on competitiveness well you know you do you, they'll do them. I'll do me. Right. We just yep. got to do, yeah, we got to do whatever makes us happy. But I appreciate you bringing that point up that, you know, working as a collective and working as a community moving forward, we don't even all have to be in the same space, but, but our thoughts can support and drive us to, to continually move forward. Right. So. Absolutely. Yep. 
Um, so fasting. Um, yes. Yes. So, uh, yeah. So, you know, I, I liked what you said earlier about it's a lifestyle, a nutritional lifestyle, not a diet. Every, you know, whatever you're doing, that's your diet. But, um, you know, we view fasting not as this, um, you know, not as this sort of like uh, intervention to like lose some quick weight or anything like that. Uh, it could be used that way. But, um, uh, you know, it's more a way to structure your consumption in a way that's repeatable and healthy. Um, so, you know, briefly, I don't know what the stats are about Canada, but in America, people eat basically every hour of the day. So it's you're just constantly having one snack or a meal, um, and there's really no time off other than when you're sleeping. Um, and so um, now the antidote to that's a problem because uh, when you're always consuming exogenous calories, you're never using the calories that you have stored on your body, namely you know fat, excess weight. Um, and so it's if you're always eating, you're not going to have an opportunity basically to utilize the fat that you've got on you, and you're just going to accumulate. Um, and so, uh, you know, that, that is what is happening in America. People are mostly just gaining weight year after year. Um, and you know, it, that in itself is not the worst thing there, there is the way there is a way to be healthy and, 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 uh, have additional weight, but it, re it really comes down to metabolic health. Um, so, you know, not only are you, um, you know, gaining excess weight, but as a corollary of that, uh, you're becoming less sensitive to insulin. Um, you know, in some cases you're. Um, having foods that are creating inflammatory response and, and doing damage and not having foods that are nourishing. Um, so yeah, basically, you know, we view fasting as just the perfect antidote to this sort of modern uh, pitfall, this modern trap of overeating all the time. Um, fasting gives you a way to, for your body also to emphasize this, uh, this other pathway of, um, so sometimes, sometimes you're taking in parts and using those parts. And sometimes you're basically uh, the parts that you have on board already, you're rearranging and cleaning up those parts. Um, so you can't, it can't always be inflow. Sometimes you have to basically do, um, you have to have the, the sort of breathing room uh, to clean up uh, the crap that you got going on inside. So in this case, it's like you accumulate um, damage in your tissues and we've got endogenous health defense systems that repair that damage. Um, and if you, if you're never giving your body an opportunity to, to do that, then you're just going to accumulate. Um, so fasting is a very good way for the body to basically activate these health defense systems, uh, use calories it's got endogenously um, as as fuel, um, and basically keep the body healthy and young and keep your cells fresh. Um, and uh, also, it's a you know as I'm sure you've discovered, it's a great way to keep your consumption in check without feeling very restrictive. Like you know, you just as soon as you get used to it, the body just doesn't feel hungry all the time. It's like I don't have to eat till noon and I'm totally comfortable with that. Um, well, what do people and, say? Like the, the, one of the largest industries in the world today is the breakfast industry. You got to have breakfast. You got to have breakfast. But what are they eating for breakfast? Pancakes, syrup. So they're having starchy, gluten-based sugar and, or they're eating donuts or they're drinking their fancy $8 Starbucks drinks. And the list goes on. It's just, and they wonder why they're, not firing on all cylinders and they say how can you think properly without breakfast it's the most important meal of the day yeah the breakfast industry wants you to believe that because they're a billion dollar industry good for them i i said initially until my body i guess i would use the term detoxify but or healed as you were mentioning at different levels and my body had the ability to realize hey this guy cares about me. He's going to let me actually digest what he ate. He's going to give me eight hours, 10 hours or whatever to digest his food. And he can take internally from his fat stores to feed his brain because 
unless I'm incorrect, your brain feeds better off of healthy fats than it does off of carbs, right? Your brain, it, it, it just does. So for me, fasting made me think more clear. I'm more alert through the day. Like I won't eat now until six o'clock and people go, how can you do that? That's way too long. Okay. Based on what, what's, what's your knowledge? What yeah. is your, you know, what's your facts? Where, where's, where's the facts of what you're talking about? I've been doing this for five years and I'm not saying I'm perfect at it because again, sometimes when I travel or I go visit my folks to them, breakfast is important. And my mom in her eighties wants me to have breakfast. So that's okay. I'll have a few eggs, right? Whatever. Um, I, I, I still am cognizant of my nutritional lifestyle, but sometimes I don't have a fast that day. I've only had, you know, let's say 10 hours or, or I've had, you know, whatever the case may be, but fasting to me has been a savior right? It really has for my cognitive ability, my energy level, my, uh, you know, swelling in my limbs and, and just like that inflammation. It's just been, it's been a game changer. Yeah. 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 For me as well. I, I really do like it uh, as a lifestyle. I think I was, uh, yeah. I mean, as everything you said, basically performance, mental sharpness. Um, and also one thing I noticed was, um, my uh, most my food my food cravings actually subsided the more I fasted. So like I used to I used to not be able to stop myself from like if, if I were to have some sugar I would need to have a lot of sugar. Um, but now actually I and I ne I never really understood how people could like have a bite of something and like enjoy that enough to stop. Um, <laughs> it was like you have a bite because you're about to have hundred bites. And that's just the first one. Um, but I discovered I pretty <laughs> um, with, with fasting I. I um, it's like with, with less effort, um, my behaviors can be more controlled. And I think it's because, you know, in part, maybe my body's realized that it actually likes the fuel, uh, that it's, that can, it can use that's already yeah. stored. Um, it doesn't need that external, uh, food all the time, basically. Um, so I, I feel healthier doing it. Well, do you sleep better too, because of fasting? Have you noticed it? Um, yeah, I, th I think, I think probably, um, uh, sleeping better. Well, you know, one thing I, I definitely have noticed is, uh, the longer I give myself between the end of my eating window and bed, the lower my nighttime heart rates are. Um, and it, it, on a day when I'm under, um, nourished in terms of calories, my heart rates can get really, really low. Um, I love how you brought that up because I, my, I have a, this is my third Apple watch. I got an Apple watch eight. My kids got it for me as a present in my birthday in the fall, like right when it was released. And I was checking it before, but I don't know. I've got a little bit more anal about going in and checking out the sleep and seeing how much REM I've had. And it talks, of, and, and I've actually looked on days and going, why is it kind of out? And I've tied it directly to my nutrition, right? Mm -hmm. The eating window, like you said, when my eating window ended and when I went to bed, oh my gosh, two hours before I went to bed, I had this. And it may be still within my nutritional lifestyle, but my body's going having to work at, digesting that when I'm trying to sleep. So it, it's affected my heart rate. It's a, even my breathing because it, it, it actually, um, I don't know if a lot of people don't realize it actually, it can actually track your breasts, right? Your respiratory and your with, along with your heart rate. So I love how you brought that up. It, it, it is tied together. So, and I'm, t and again, work in progress. Dwight's a work in progress. <laughs> I'm learning, adapting, and not going, well, that's the way it's always been for me. I'm just going to stick that way. 
Any listeners, watchers thinking that way? Well, I've been, you know, this, my friend did this and this and that. And they lived into their nineties. Yeah. Well, what was their quality of life? Right. right. For sure. Yeah. That's crucial. Yes. So Zach, if you had to give our listeners one last closing message, what would you tell them in regards to giving a heck and never giving up? Mm, wow. Okay. One last message. Well, we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, let's see. Um, well, okay. I guess you already said this earlier about uh, sort of discovering purpose and, and um, the why of things. Um, but that that's the, that's the, that's, I think the maybe the most useful orientation for um, being less uh, a robot and, and sort of you taking advantage of your days and your months. Um, uh, figure out what meaningfulness actually looks like to you. Um, not like, not a superficial version of what fun can be on a good night. Um, more like how, how a whole week or how a month looks when you're thriving. Um, may, maybe it's something in distant memory. So maybe the last time you really felt great was 10 years ago um, when you were doing X, Y, and Z. Um, but I think it's, it's, it's uh, there's this idea of a positive deviant analysis. So if you look at um, uh, a bunch of results and then do an analysis of what inputted or what, what, um, what contributed to um, the, the most extremely good results, uh, there's often insight in that. So when did you feel your very best and what can you learn about, you know, the way you work as a person based on that set of experiences? Um, and, you know, especially if they, if you come by them naturally, if, you know, if they, if they were things that are um, repeatable and not drug induced and things, things of that sort, you know, maybe they're social, maybe they have to do with the way you're living your life. Maybe they're um, work related, whatever it is, you know, I think use those as a sort of North star, like, um, you know, the conditions under which you feel fulfilled and meaningful, that is what you should be trying to create for yourself uh, going forward. Um, now, the past is um, is a, a good place to look for inspiration. But of course, everybody's life circumstance changes, everybody's aging. Um, and so you need to transpose what, whatever um, brought you meaning from the past onto your life and make it make it actually fit and maybe discover new things that, that have that form. Um, yeah, exactly. The past doesn't have to be indicative of our future, but it is a good uh, story, right? It's a, or not necessarily a story, but it's a good indicator. And as I like how you put that, you can look at the past and say, what made me happy X, Y, Z, and bring that forward, but adapt it to current life of where you're at, because we, we can't live in the past, but again, it can be a good indicator, but it's not indicative of what, what's going to happen. We still have to put effort in and apply, um, you know, what happened to what's where we are, like you said. So I love how you put that. Um, our time is almost up. I'd like to respect our listeners and your time. However, before you, we end, what's the best way for people to reach you, Zach? Um, people can reach me at Zach at lifestacks.com. That's Z-A-C-K. Um, and Lifestacks is life, the S-T-A-C-K-S.com. And actually on lifestacks.com, we're doing a try before you buy it offer. So you can basically have the product shipped to you for free and then you only pay if you like it. And if you don't, um, no questions asked, we never charge you. Um, and that's, frankly, that's because we know you're going to love it. And so it's not a risk for us. Oh, sweet. And, and is that is that for Canadians too, or is it just for Americans? It um, That's a good question. If people are having any trouble doing that at checkout, just email me um, and I'll take care of it for you. Okay. Because I have, I have a, my podcast is uh, listened to about 60, 40, 
or well, I shouldn't say that because I listen to in 34 countries now, but majority of my listeners are located in the US and Canada, right? So that's why I ask, uh, you know, international people that are listening to this, email Zach, maybe he can hook you up in the future. And, you know, maybe if you really, really, really want to try it and you can grease him a little bit and <laughs> give him some give him some extra money and he'll see if you can get the product out to where you live because again 34 different countries there's a lot of different places that are listening to my show but i really appreciate you being on brother this has been an amazing conversation um you're a plethora of information and such a great guy to talk to i've had a great combo with you bro yeah you too really appreciate it dwight yeah is there anything else you want to add before we wrap up thanks for having me yeah, thank you for being on. Zach, I appreciate your time and sharing some of your experiences so that others too can learn it is never too late to give a heck. Thank you for taking time out of your day and listening to Give a Heck. If you find value, I'd appreciate you sharing with your friends and family so they too can learn how to live life on purpose, not by accident. So you do not miss the next episode, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. Please also post a review. I look forward to reading your comments. This has been Dwight Heck. Thank you for taking check out other podcast episodes or today's show notes. Please check out my website, giveaheck.com. And until next time, together let us all do give a heck.